0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London, together living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message.
1: There's some things in life that I find weird, like why are so many atheists angry at someone, namely God, yet God doesn't exist according to their beliefs? That's weird, don't you think? Why be angry with someone that doesn't exist, or be upset with their very idea of God? Like Vladimir Lenin, staunch atheist and communist whose dad died when he was 16, led him to renounce the existence of God because of his pain. He wrote, Every religious idea, every idea of God, even flirting with the idea of God is unutterable vileness of the most dangerous kind, contagion of the most abominable kind. Millions of sins, filthy deeds, acts of violence, and physical contagion are far less dangerous than the subtle spiritual idea of a God. Why be so afraid of even the idea of God? Why hate God? Why be so desperate to kill God? Could there be something under the surface driving angry atheists. This line of atheistic thinking has led to indescribable atrocities committed, close to 100 million murdered under communist regimes in the 1900s and horrific crimes committed. Could it be that people reject God, not because of reason per se, but rather because of underlying hurts and hatred? Thus, they reject God for psychological reasons more than logical reasons. Multiple psychological studies have been done that seems to confirm this theory. And this is what I want to give you evidence for today. I'm also sharing this message so that each of us can evaluate ourselves and determine if there are other factors driving our lack of faith or lack of trust in God. Some context for where I'm coming from. I'm a pastor of a local church, but I originally studied engineering and have a master's degree in engineering. I am most probably not too bad at using my brain and applying logic to the issues of life. I recently engaged with a school friend who was going through a difficult season and a broken relationship. He's in his 40s, and now single, and alone during lockdown, and he felt depressed. I encouraged him to turn to God for help, but he was like, Andre, you know I don't believe. I was surprised at how blunt he was, and couldn't figure out why he took such a strong anti-God stance. Then I realized his dad died in a car accident when he was about five years old. I remember his emotional outbursts in primary school towards his stepfather shouting, you're not my father. Could that be an underlying factor driving his unbelief? I believe so. At times when we watch movies as a family with a relatively low age restriction, there usually are a few random swear words thrown in, which I don't appreciate. But the last while I was especially shocked with what came out of the mouths of some of these actors. A few times, when things got really wild, you know, like aliens blowing up half the planet, then guys would cry out, OMG, oh my God, which I can live with, it's like a prayer for help from above. But then out of the blue, and this really irks me, they cussed, crying out, oh Buddha, I couldn't believe it. And then another one they cried out, Moses, and then, oh Krishna, and even Shiva. Hindu God, and in another they cussed Zeus, and even, wait for it, Odin, I know, shocking right, so offensive. Well, actually, I'm joking. They didn't use any of those names. You obviously know which name they used as a cuss word. Yes, Jesus. Why would those who don't believe in God, or in any God, cuss with the name of a specific God, the name Jesus? Why Jesus? That's weird, don't you think? Is there any logic to it? Intellectually-minded atheists claim to be rational beings. But what's the rationale behind swearing with the name of Jesus, but not the names of other religions? According to atheists, all religions are based on fairy tales. So I want to propose to atheists out there, please stop discriminating against one fairy tale, according to you, Christianity, and also cuss out the other fairy tales as well. I think you guys need to be fair and balanced about this. Ah, sorry, I'm being facetious. (laughs) But honestly now, don't you find it weird? Why pick on Jesus? And not the other religions, if all religions are the figment of people's imaginations, as they suppose. I propose that there might be something different about Jesus that causes him to stand out from all other religious figures. And so the sinful human heart loves to blaspheme his name. Maybe Jesus is different. Maybe he does stand out from the crowd of religions. I've been doing some studying over the last while on atheism and been reading the stories of prominent atheists over the last few centuries. There is a growing move of atheism in the Western world. It's important to understand that although it may be possible to prove the existence of God, it is clearly impossible to prove the non-existence of God, since to prove the non-existence of anything is intrinsically impossible. You need to have all knowledge and be able to be everywhere and look everywhere to prove the non-existence of something, which is obviously impossible. It would be more correct to say I am an agnostic. In other words, I don't know. This reveals that atheism is based on faith. A decision that people have made, and often due to underlying psychological motivations that have driven their thinking and decisions into that direction. Atheism is certainly not based on science, as I will show you. Could it be that people don't want to believe, and they're giving a bunch of superficial reasons for their unbelief, like religion has caused so much damage, so there is no God, Could we be more influenced by our subconscious than what we think? So today, let's look at three primary reasons why people reject faith. There are more, but I will only touch on three reasons for unbelief. And stay with me because I'm going to show you a video of an angry atheist getting the shock of his life. It's going to blow your mind as God showed up. Reason for unbelief number one dead religion and the disappointments that go with it. There is at least one legitimate reason for atheists to be angry with religion. And on this one, I agree with them. There's a whole lot of religion that I also don't like. And I think even Jesus would agree with them on this point. Jesus came to reveal to everyone how much God loves us. But he also came to have a fight Not a fight with sinners, prostitutes and other down and outs. He came to fight with religious leaders who were misrepresenting him and misrepresenting God, the Father. Jesus is not about empty, dead, cold religion that abuse and use people for selfish gain. Jesus came to reveal the real deal because he is the real deal, I believe. So I have sympathy for unbelievers For atheists who want nothing to do with God because of their negative experiences with dead religion or those misrepresenting God. In this sense, I am standing with the atheists and also saying, I want nothing to do with that. Look at what Jesus said as he rebuked the hypocritical religious leaders. Matthew 23, verse 13, he says, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others enter either. Jesus had a fight with them because they were putting people off from God because of their hypocritical, ungodly behavior. They were fakes. They weren't the real deal. They didn't truly know God, yet faked it. They were shutting the door to heaven, keeping people from turning to God. In another passage, it is said that the name of God is blasphemed because of the people of God's behavior. That is sad. And I have sympathy for those who have experienced the bad side of religion. Now, Richard Dawkins, who is a famous atheist and author of the book God Delusion, experienced the bad side of religious people when he was young. Did you know that when he was nine years old and staying at an Anglican boarding school, he was sexually abused by his pedophilic teacher? This experience would certainly have set up a strong negative association with religion, don't you think? He wanted nothing to do with religion after that and dedicated his life to fight against religion, ultimately to fight against God. Could this have led to an atheist delusion denying the existence of God, not based on truth, but on underlying hurts? If that teacher could have realized the impact of the pain he inflicted on young Dawkins, he might not have done it. If you're not a believer yet, I want to encourage you, don't let the fake, the false, or those who misrepresent God, keep you from knowing God. Yes, some preachers seem to be using people to get their money, but that's by far the minority. Most preachers sacrifice their lives for people, are sincere, and don't make much money. I want to say sorry if you have ever been abused or used or hurt by Christians or religious leaders. Please forgive us. Don't let that disappointment keep you from God, who loves you more than you can imagine. Believers, let's be the real deal, especially to our children. Don't misrepresent God. It doesn't mean perfection. It simply means we need to be real and humble when we fail or make mistakes. Let's represent God well. So reason for unbelief number one is dead religion and the disappointments that go with that. Reason for unbelief number two, a father wound. An underlying hatred towards their father often develops into a hatred towards God the Father. What if the major barriers to belief in God are not rational, but can be called in a general sense psychological? This is what some respected psychologists Like Paul Wietz has proposed, you can get his book, Faith of the Fatherless, for an in-depth study on this. Multiple studies have shown that atheists' disappointment in and resentment of their own father unconsciously justifies their rejection of God. Let me give you some examples as evidence for this. Probably the world's best-known atheist, Friedrich Nietzsche, is known for this saying, God is dead. And we have killed him, which is a sign of seriously unresolved, unconscious motivation. Did you know that Nietzsche's father was a Lutheran pastor and he was extremely close to his father when he was young? Pastor Ludwig Nietzsche died two months before Friedrich Nietzsche's fifth birthday. Could that have influenced him to declare that God, Father God, is dead Some psychologists, biographers believe so. And then Bertrand Russell, who is generally understood to be the most prominent English atheist, who focused primarily on the rejection of Christianity, wrote a defining book, Why I Am Not a Christian. Bertrand's father also died when he was four years old, and his mother died two years earlier then he was exposed to dysfunctional adults and a distorted form of christianity dead religion which he despised his daughter concluded i believe myself that his whole life was a search for god or for those who prefer less personal terms for absolute certainty there are four well-known modern atheists who have been dubbed the four horsemen Of atheism, seen as leaders of the pack. So what about them? Richard Dawkins, first one. We've covered his story already uh, in his sexual abuse as a boy of nine. Secondly, Daniel Dennett. His father died in a plane crash when he was five years old. Third one, Christopher Hitchens, who wrote, God is not great, how religion poisons everything. He had a disappointing relationship with with his authoritarian soldier father, and he was close to his mother. An ex-Anglican priest seduced his beloved mother, and soon after, they committed suicide by taking poison together in a hotel. How can that not influence your outlook on life, God, and religion? And the title of his book, How Religion Poisons Everything? It makes you think. And then the fourth one, Sam Harris. Now he might be an exception to the psychological theory, but if this theory of either dying fathers or weak or abusive fathers applies to at least 50 to 60% of atheistic men, then it is still valid. There are obviously other reasons why some reject belief in God and we'll touch on it a bit later. Then what about Sigmund Freud? He was an extremely influential psychologist and atheist. According to Freud, his father was a sexual pervert and and a deep disappointment to him. It's been said that Freud placed hatred of the father at the center of his psychology. It is not unreasonable to assume that this expressed, at the least, his strong unconscious hostility to and rejection of his own father. So, evaluate your heart. Meaning, evaluate the deepest parts of your being and determine if there are wounds, hurts, from your upbringing that could be driving you unconsciously. Is there a hatred in your heart towards your parents or authority figures and ultimately against God the Father? When I became a believer in Christ, the first thing that was revealed to my heart was that I hated my mother. I didn't even realize it until I felt the gentle voice of God reveal this to me. I was surprised at what I saw, but I was driven by deep anger and hatred because of my parents' divorce, which greatly influenced me. I had to deal with that hatred so that I could engage with God. Is there something like that in you that you need to deal with something underneath the surface? The Bible gives us a brilliant insight into the nature of mankind and the state of man. The following verses reveal to me a description of atheism. Romans 1 verse 21. Throughout human history, the fingerprints of God were upon them, signs of design. Yet they refused to honor Him as God or even be thankful for His kindness, for the Creator who gave them life. Instead, they entertain corrupt and foolish thoughts about what God was like. They misrepresent Him and accuse the Christian God of being evil in many cases. This left them with nothing but misguided hearts steeped in moral darkness. The result of atheism is often a lifetime of pain, of loneliness and disappointment. The rejection of God does not lead to a happy, peaceful life. It often leads... To purposeless existence. So if you're looking for true happiness, atheism is not a good option to look at. Now I want to show you a video clip of an angry atheist that encountered God's wonderful love. Todd White shares the story and he is the real-deal Christian. He was an atheist for a large part of his life. He had an incredible encounter with God and became a Christian. There have been whole documentaries made of how he would engage with people on the streets and in restaurants and wherever else, and how real miracles would break out as he prayed for people. So let's take a look.
0: When we lived in Pennsylvania, there was this place we used to go to. Um, It was a steakhouse. And when we would get there, um, you know, there's peanuts on the floor. It's one of those kind of restaurants. And they'd take us to our table. And I remember going there. And my food is always cold. So whether I order it hot or not, it's always cold by the time I get to it because I'm talking to waitresses and waiters and whatever. But at this point, we, we get our meal or we're ordering our meal. The lady comes over and I, I told her how much Jesus loved her and she gave me a, a serious attitude. And I told her, I said, well, God loves you, huh." I said, you know, you really can't get away from it. Even if you hate him, he still loves you. Well, I don't even want to talk to you. Matter of fact, I'm going to get my manager. So, she's angry. She's going to go get her manager because her manager's going to let me have it. And this guy is a an angry atheist, and he's just so mad. I just, just forgive me. I want to share this testimony before we start tonight. I have a lot of things I want to share, but this will go along with what Robert shared. And so he comes over and he goes. So he goes, you want to talk about the Lord? And I'm like, oh well, of course I do. And and my wife is like, oh boy, like this guy's just gonna he's gonna lay into us. And he's the manager guy. So he starts to lay into us and I start to share with him about how much God loves him and he's just this professional debater, but I'm done, I'm over debate. I don't, see God is, the Holy Spirit is the best evangelist ever. I mean, my kids, Destiny and Zoe and Briley, they've all seen this, is starting to see this and Asher, he's nine months, he will see this because that's just how we live. And so I start to share with this guy and the waitress comes back and she's like, uh-huh, yeah, like she's, now she's really angry, and we didn't even place our order yet. So finally, this guy walks away, we placed our order with the lady, and she's still mad at me, and she's like, okay, great, whatever, and she walks away. And I'm thinking all the while, my gosh, I'm going to tip her. She's just going to be so blown away at us tipping her, and because the deal is, is that she doesn't deserve it. And grace is getting something that you don't deserve. You didn't earn it. You didn't earn the gospel. Grace is getting something that you don't deserve. It's amazing. It's unmerited favor. It's undeserved favor. But um, grace is also the ability to be able to walk like Christ walked, grace and truth. We can walk just like Jesus walked. And Jesus didn't give people what they deserved. If he did, we'd all be smote and done. You know, people say, well, if God loves me, then why? And like, well, then why did he do this? And why did he allow this? And why did he that? If God didn't love you, then you wouldn't be here right now. Like no one asked that question. But we're sitting there and we're talking. And then the waitress comes back and she doesn't have our meal. She brings our drinks. And the other people that ordered, they got their meals. And they're almost done their meals before we even got our salad. And so this would cause you to get an attitude if you don't live with Gratitude gratitude is thankfulness and loving jesus with everything you are at all seas at all times at all points no matter where you're at and knowing that you are there to represent him and robert said it you know john three sixteen says god so loved the world that he gave so we're sitting there talking to her she comes back out i have a word about a word of knowledge about her she walks away angry and the and the manager comes back out and he's just let me have it And I said, man, I said, you know what I think? I said, I think you got hurt. He goes, hurt. No one can hurt me. And he's just real adamant about it. I said, no, I think you got hurt physically. And I think you got hurt spiritually. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, you know what I think? I think you were going to college. I said, and you tore an ACL. And because of that tear, you got angry at God and said, God took this. God did this. And you're just angry. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, were you going to college to get this? Well, yes. So what? And I said, man, I said, did your knee get tore? I said, did you blame God? He goes, well, I don't know. I said, well, I believe Jesus wants to heal your knee. He goes, well, I don't believe in healing. I don't believe in miracles. As a matter of fact, I think you're fake, and I think this, and I think that. And I said, that's okay. It doesn't matter to me. I said, you don't have to think that I'm real. I said, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to let me pray for you, and then we'll find out what's real. If he's not real, then he won't heal your knee. Period. I said, did your knee? Did you tear your knee? He said, yeah. I said, did you tear your ACL? He said, yeah. I said did it stop you from going to college to go to the sport that you wanted to go he said yeah i said okay let me pray for you he goes well nothing's going to happen i said well we can do this here or we can go in the back whatever you want to do i don't mind either way and she's like well let's go over here i don't want to do this out here where everybody's at i said all right let's go so i went in the back uh, not in the back back but right down by the back of the place and at a table where no one was at i said now i'm gonna pray for your knee I said, you can unbelieve all you want and Jesus is going to heal it because he loves you. And he says, well, I don't believe that. I said, well, okay. You tell me when you're ready and you're in the unbelief that you think is strong enough to stop this from happening. And it sounds funny because like people are like, well, no one can be that confident. I beg to differ. Like your unbelief can't stop God from flowing through me. You, you can think what you want. You can be taught what you want. I've just seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people get healed that were in unbelief. I've actually challenged people just like this and told him, get in the most unbelief. Let me know when you're ready. He said, go ahead. He's just good and angry. You think there ain't no way he's in unforgiveness. He's definitely in bitterness. He's definitely in anger. He definitely has some rage going on. He's sweating and he's angry at me for challenging him. And that waitress is watching. And she's his cheerleader because he's the top atheist guy. And we're in a restaurant that we're supposed to be getting a meal at. So this is totally awkward. And so I looked at him. I said, are you ready? He goes, go ahead. So I prayed for his knee. So Father, I thank you. I ask you to show him how much you love him. Knee be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. And I just sat back. I didn't say a word. And I looked at him. He looked at me. And I saw the anger go away. And I saw his face turn red. Now, he could have been red from anger, but he was red from embarrassment. I asked him, I'm on my knees in the peanuts, praying for his knee. And he looks at me, he goes, what's going on right now? I said, you tell me. He said, there's electricity in my knee. I said, well, that's crazy. What do you think that is? He said, I don't know. I said, well, I need you to step up, stand up, bend down, squat, check it, see if it pops anymore, and see if it's healed. He looks at me, he goes what if I don't want to? I said, you go ahead and do whatever you want to, man. I said, but here's the deal. You're going to know by the end of tonight whether it's healed or not. And I'm not trying to prove you wrong. I'm just trying to represent that God still loves you even though you're standing there in hate with him. He looks at me and he goes, okay, wise guy. He stood down. He got up. He goes, oh my God. I said, that's right, buddy. He's my God and he's your God. I said, I don't want anything from you. What I need you to know is that God's not mad at you. So why would you be mad at him? He looked at me and he goes, you don't understand. You just don't understand. I said, what don't understand? He goes, I was a youth pastor and I was working at a church as a youth pastor. He said, it was my, it was my pride and joy. And I'm over all these kids and the head pastor, he, he had an affair and cheated on his wife with somebody from the congregation. And I, I lost everything, everything, man, everything, everything. And then I, and then I, I, like I'm looking back at my knee, and God stopped me from this. And I said, if God stopped me from that, why would He heal you now? I said, you had an accident, buddy. I said, God doesn't come steal, kill, and destroy. The thief does. I said, Jesus came and He healed everyone that came to Him. I said, come on, God. That's, I mean, come on, man. That's not God. He looked at me and he goes, man, I, I, I've been really ignorant to you. I go, I don't need your apology. I'm okay. If you want to say you're sorry for you, that's good. But I love you. I don't need you to love me back. And I shared my testimony with him. He looked at me and he goes, I I had no idea. He goes, I I need to apologize to your wife. I said, you can. I said, but I'm telling you right now, God loves you, man. That pastor that cheated on his wife and ruined your dream of being a you pastor. God doesn't take the call away from your life because someone else ruins theirs. God loves you. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance, man. I said, Jesus still has a call for you. I said, he wants you to actually lead people. I said, now you were the lead atheist. I think those things have changed. He looks at me and he goes, you ain't kidding, man. He goes, I have a lot to talk about. Like his wife, everybody, all that, his kids. He looks at me. And he goes, Man, I, I don't know what to say. I said, Do you don't have to say anything? Can I just give you a hug? I gave him a hug. And the waitress was like, Oh my God. And she walked in the back. Like she was, she had no, like, she had no leader anymore. It was so crazy.
1: Did you see that? This angry atheist was a youth pastor, but rejected God because of the disappointment, the pain of a father figure, his own pastor caused him. And the accident with his knee. He was bitterly offended and rejected God completely, and that led to an all-consuming hatred and anger. It wasn't based on logic, it was based on anger. Now you could simply say Todd's lying. Yes, you can try to deny the facts, you can accept that this man is the real deal. And he received a word of knowledge, knowing that the atheist's knee was injured in college, and it was revealed to Todd by a supernatural source. This is the same thing that happened when Jesus engaged with a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, knowing that she had had five husbands before. And praying for the sick to be healed was what Jesus did all through his ministry. A miracle reveals God's love and power to people. It's evidence for God. I've engaged with atheists in the past and shared with them miracle upon undeniable miracle of healing that we've seen through praying for people in Jesus' name. The atheist's response, wow, you, Andre, you've got a special gift. So the atheist didn't deny the fact of healing, but he reinterpreted the facts to suit his worldview. Even if something supernatural happens, they just say, well, that's not God. can't be God. There is no God. Must be a man with special gift, like having brain power to heal. I'm not that special. Todd White is not that special. We don't have the ability to heal people. Only God has that power. This again reveals the truth that atheists don't want to believe. It's not that there isn't evidence. It's rather that no evidence is good enough. An honest atheist needs to admit this if they are to find the truth of God's existence. I love Todd's boldness. Give me like your worst unbelief. God is greater than that. What if you and I could engage with others in the same way, not on the defensive, not irritated or angry, but rather with God's love, having compassion for where people are coming from. Arguments will bring us nowhere. We need to have compassion and get to the heart and partner with the Holy Spirit in this. God has the key to every man's heart. What if we could give evidence for the existence of God like that? Beautiful things will follow. Quick recap. Reason for unbelief number one, dead religion and the disappointments that go with it. Number two, the father wound. Reason for unbelief number three, I don't want to believe. I don't want to see the evidence for God due to the sinful, fallen nature of self. The third reason for unbelief is a combination of factors, but it all comes back to the nature of man, our fallen nature. You don't need to teach a three-year-old to be selfish or disobedient. It's in our nature. If you tell the three-year-old, do not step over this line, the child had no desire to go over the line before until the parents said, don't go over the line. Suddenly, the fallen, rebellious nature of man wants to storm across that line. I didn't want to before, but now, simply because you lay down the law, I want to go across that line. It just reveals again we love to do wrong, we love our sin, and that's why mankind wants to reject God. We want to sin without shame or guilt. So let's deny the existence of God, let's not have to be accountable. And it doesn't matter how much evidence you give every bit of it is rejected because we don't want to believe in god let's embrace any theory to justify our unbelief reject god and sin wildly the heart of atheism is revealed in this passage in romans 1 verse 22 it says although claiming to be super intelligent they were in fact shallow fools you are certainly a fool if you allow your childhood pain disappointments, or love for doing wrong to define your decisions in life and to deny reality and the existence of God. Don't be a shallow fool. Verse 23, for only a fool would trade the unfading splendor of the immortal God to worship the fading image of other humans. Atheists tend to make themselves God, and they miss out on all God's goodness and love. Verse 24, this is why God lifted off his restraining hand and let them have full expression of their sinful and shameful desires. They were given over to moral depravity, dishonoring their bodies by sexual perversion among themselves. I read an article yesterday of the one atheist who called himself, calls himself an atheistic pervert. He calls himself a pervert and he's proud of it. I watched another debate between an atheist and a Christian, and the Christian guy asked him, uh, you know, does he love pornography? And the guy was like, absolutely, watch porn this morning. Absolutely shameless. And then verse 25, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie. The underlying issue or reason for unbelief is that people want to embrace the lie. They want to storm across that line without shame, without guilt, and without restraints. We will do wrong and no one will tell us otherwise, so let's kill God and anybody that wants to tell us the truth. So let's watch the last part of Todd White's story and how he engaged with the waitress at the restaurant.
0: So we went back to the table and our food, of course, came out cold and and uh, and everything. We get to the end. And- The waiter came out and he said he was sorry and then he walked away and the waitress came out at the end of our meal she looked at me and she goes i really don't know what to say i said well we'd like the bill if it's okay she goes sure she gave me the bill she goes i'll see you later she walked away and i saw the bill i think it was like 120 and i'm pretty sure we doubled it because we try to double our tip we try to double our bill with the tip now we don't go out to eat a lot but we try to make sure that when we tell people about Jesus, they know we're radically generous because God so loved the world that he gave. And it works really well with very angry, hateful people because they can't get away from it. Because see, money, money rules this world. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not the root of all evil, the love of it is. If I need money, if I have to love money to make my life okay, I've now that's the root of everything evil. All kinds of selfishness, all kinds of hoarding, all kinds of horrible, horrible stuff is in there. But money can be used in the the place of bringing people to Jesus. And so when you go out to eat and when you have a hateful waitress or a hateful waiter, you bless their socks off. They don't know what to do. And it's totally amazing and it changes the course of a whole night so we tipped her and uh, she she took the bill or she took the thing she goes thank you she walked in the back and we're out the table because we're still finishing some stuff she comes back out she goes sir you made a mistake she goes this ain't right look you you I said no I said you're not a mistake she looks at me she goes you can't do this I said I can she goes you have to take that back she goes I don't deserve this <laughs> that's my favorite I don't deserve what I have either Jesus paid the price to give us something that none of us deserve. None of us earned this. We didn't earn the gospel. I didn't earn salvation. I didn't perform for it. I didn't. He paid the price to give it to me because God so loved the world that he gave. And he asked me to believe I was that selfish, angry, hateful criticizer. I was that guy. I was that adamant atheist arguing my point, making people look bad so that I could look good. I was that guy. And then Jesus completely changed it. She said, you can't do this. I said, well, we did. And we really wanna bless you. See, grace is something that you didn't earn. And tonight, if I were to tip you because of your performance, you weren't expecting a penny at all. You were expecting to work for free. I said, but your tip at this table was bigger probably than any of your other tables. I'm not boasting in our tip. I'm boasting in the grace of God towards your life because God so loved you that he gave a son. And she looked at me and she goes, I don't know what to say. I said, you don't have to say anything. I said, we bless you and I hope you have a great evening. Jesus loves you. And so we, we get known at restaurants through blessing people through they, they, some of the restaurants we go to always give us the new people. They give us the new waiter and they get dumbfounded like, like what is happening here? Uh, Honestly, we need to live that life everywhere we go and everything we do. We need to be known as a radically generous people. You know, it starts with knowing how radically good and how generous our God is and how amazing our King is.
1: I love how Todd White tips the waitress a huge amount when she should have received nothing. That is the good news of Jesus. None of us deserve God's love and goodness. We've all been miserable waiters in life. Yet God's goodness is still available to us. It takes humility to receive the truth, to receive God's love, and to turn to Him. The truth is many simply don't want to see it. If you're not a believer, be aware of the possible underlying factors that might be influencing you. The life story of Lee Strobel, an award-winning atheistic journalist who became a believer in Christ, is telling. You can read his full story in the book called Case for Christ. In Lee's case, he didn't want to see the evidence for God until God got his attention. Could that be the reason many don't believe in God? Because they don't want to see it. The evidence is there if they would only open their hearts to see it. Where are you right now? Are your outlook on life and God being driven by underlying psychological factors of pain and disappointment? Is there hatred in your heart towards someone that's influencing your relationship with God? Are you allowing your love for doing wrong, influencing you to the point of not wanting to see evidence for God? Not wanting to believe in God because that would have implications on your life. Are you embracing the atheist delusion? I want to encourage you, follow the evidence wherever it leads you. God loves you, whether you believe it or not, and He's reaching out to you right now. Turn to Him, surrender to Him, and deal with the underlying issues so that you can be free and see God clearly. Yes, you don't deserve it, none of us do, but God's love is greater than all our stuff, than all our sins. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that today you will help each one listening to my voice to take one step closer to you. May we come to the realization of what's keeping us from wholehearted faith. May we let go of hatred, of disappointments, and hurts from the past and follow you. I pray that hearts will turn to you and that hard hearts will become soft and each one will discover life in Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.